0: you get some of these kids that are like, I don't have any work, you know, what's whatever, do get be Yeah, I know. You have to shower, get out Yeah. Tell me that there's no worse. <laughs> Looks like most people got the memo. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little slumpy right here. It's like I don't know if like the floor. I'm I'm standing here. I almost feel like I'm like leaning on this side. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) So I was worried about the choir up here. I was just like, this this stage hasn't had that much weight on it in a long time. (laughs) <laughs> hurry is that 711 he's almost here. <laughs> man he made it to church yeah you made it happy new year let's stand together it's good to be with you and I'm gonna sing some songs this morning, reminding you of God's grace and his goodness, of his love toward you. As we come into this new year, sometimes we, we forget that his mercy is new every morning. His grace is sufficient. So let's join together. It's good to be with you. Happy New Year. If I'm gonna introduce myself, my name is Brad. I'm one of the staff pastors here. And uh, we take some time this morning, uh, just like we do every Sunday, to sing some songs to remind our hearts of God's goodness, prepare our hearts for God's word, and let's join together in prayer. And then uh, invite you to sing. Lord Jesus, we uh, we lift up our voices this morning. Um, Lord, in so many ways, the years fly by. Lord, you are um, you are faithful. You are true, and Lord, we gather this morning to to honor you, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, we take a few moments to uh, remind ourselves through song of your goodness, of your mercy. Lord, that you are all powerful, that you go before us. And Lord, we thank you that you uh, have given us another year as we ring in uh, 2023. Lord, you promise that you establish the footsteps of the righteous. Lord, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, may you uh, teach us to trust in you more. May these songs be a sweet melody to you. In Jesus' name, amen. lift up your voices and lift up your praise join with the heaven declaring the wonders his faithfulness forever sing of the victory the hope of the world the savior has risen the spirit has come to you i sing to you Church, oh, we are the people of God with the freedom of hope in our hearts. How great is the love of the Father lifted from darkness into the light. The sons and the daughters of Adam Christ has made. Forever such a price. This is love. This is love. When the Father calls us home and we see him on the throne, hear the voices sing as one. This is love. This is love. Oh, we are the people of God with the free in our hearts how great is the love of the father oh we are the people of god with the freedom of hope in our hearts how great is the love of the father Amen. Amen. So we sing this next song a reminder that God goes before us. victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. I to feel for I okay. together change There's nothing impossible When all I see are the ashes You see the beauty When all I see is a cross You see an empty tomb can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every
1: battle.
0: Nothing can stand against the power of our God. An almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. stand against the power one more time together almighty fortress you go before us nothing can stand against the power of our god you shine in the shadows you win every battle nothing can stand against the power of our god put our hands together. Let's go. So when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh, God, that will belongs to you. Everything fear I at your feet, I sing through the night. Oh, God, that be belongs to you. See Great is your faithfulness, O God You wrestle with the sinner's heart You lead us by still waters into mercy And nothing can keep us apart so remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, oh God. Your grace is now, your grace is enough. your grace is Justice, God. You use the weak to lead the strong. You lead us in the song of your salvation, and all your people sing along. So remember people remember your children remember your promise oh god your grace is now your grace is now your grace is now Your grace is enough Your grace is enough Your grace is enough for me So remember your people remember your children remember your promise so oh God your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough for me. Sing that again, church. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough heaven reaches heaven reaches out to us Your grace is enough for me I'm covered Your grace is Amen. Amen. Lord, we rest in you. We trust in you. Lord, fill us with your spirit as we go through this year. May uh, we learn from you more through your word and draw near to your heart, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, turn to somebody. Wish them a happy new year. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i the clap and I'm like, just give it a two. <laughs>
2: All right. Hello, and Happy New Year. That's right. You made it. Not just through 2022, but last night. So good job. Way to be here. I, uh, we merged the services into one, and I actually usually get a warm-up before I'm up here letting you know what's going on. And I don't get a warm-up, so this is it. This is how I sound the first time around. Um, my name is Amy. If we haven't met before, I, I'm on staff here at Sarah Babel Church, and I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those that are visiting or are new. And if you are one of those people, we have information in the seat pocket in front of you that you can take home with you. We also have a gift for you at our info booth. So on your way out to your right, uh, you can grab—well, it's my right. It's your left. So to your left, uh, there is our info booth, and that has information about the church as well as a gift for you. Um, All right, so I wanna break down what's happening this morning. Uh, Again, my name is Amy. I'm gonna give you some information about what's coming up in this new year. Um, And then I'm gonna have actually Laura Osnes come up and she's gonna share with you our women's studies that took a break during the Christmas period. And uh, all of our groups are starting back up again. And then I'm gonna have Mike Harrison come up and he's in charge of our men's ministry, and he's going to let you know, all you men, about the things happening this year with the men's groups. Uh, And then, after that, Pastor Brad Beers is gonna be up this morning and sharing you, um, actually, another, we're not gonna jump back into Mark again, he's got another message for you. And then after that, and you've listened, and your heart is filled, and you're feeling so great, or you're convicted, either one, Then we're gonna take communion, and that will be the end of today's service. Okay, does everyone understand what's going on? Great, okay, so number one, uh, I just wanna introduce to you an event that we are hosting uh, in February. It's called Night to Shine, and if you're not familiar with this, it's actually run by the Tim Tebow Foundation, and it is a prom night for the special needs community for 14 and up, and this is a very special thing. It happens every year, except it hasn't happened live since 2019 and so we have the privilege of hosting this event and I just want to introduce it to you you'll get more information about registration and volunteering and if you have someone in your life that would like to attend this event then we'll get you that information as well but we're gonna host a a night to shine here on February 10th uh, which is a Friday in the evening uh, for this special group and so I wanted to make sure you knew about that and that is My only announcement for you, because I want to have Laura come up. She's right there. You guys are always right in front of me. I'm looking way over there.
3: Here's Laura. Good morning, church. Um, Happy New Year. Uh, Raise your hand if you're a lady. Speaking to you this morning. Okay. Keep your hand up if you made some New Year's resolutions. Today is New Year's Day. Ooh, no one. (laughs) A Couple. All right, so usually people make resolutions about their diet or exercise or how you spend your time or money or things like that. But I am going to hope and challenge you this morning that maybe you make some sort of resolution related to your walk with the Lord. Um, There is nothing more important than that. Um, So in Jeremiah 29, um, Jeremiah is talking to the exiles and he says this, um, uh, God is talking to the people um, through Jeremiah, he says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Um, and I want that to be your resolution this year. Um, and I don't want it to be something that ends like two weeks from now or three weeks from now. I really want you to seek the Lord this year. Um, and I want you I want to encourage you by telling you what the Lord says next. Um, in verse fourteen, he says, "I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Um so if you are um, seeking the Lord, He will be found by you. So here's some opportunities for you, ladies. Um, to seek the Lord this year. And I pray that you would please choose one to get involved with because there's so many good options. Um, Marta and Shelley are leading a study on Monday nights. um, And it's called Be Ready, the Son of Man is Coming. And it's a combination of like Matthew and Revelation. So that's if you're available on Monday nights. Um, If you're available on Tuesday mornings, um, I'm teaching a study on Matthew. Um, We're going to be starting next week, um, Tuesday, January 10th. Um, And we are continuing the book of Matthew, but feel free to join even if you weren't here for the first half. And we also have childcare. So for those of you with little kids, please come. Um, Rebecca Schroeder leads a study on Tuesday nights um, for ladies in their 20s. So if that's you, um, she's gonna be continuing through 1 Corinthians. Um, If you guys are available in Reno on Thursday nights, if you live in Reno, please go to Courtney Dyer's home starting this week. Rebecca's also starting this week, January 3rd. And she's also going to be teaching 1 Corinthians. Um, And then um, last but not least, if you're available on Friday mornings, um, Lisa Husser leads a group going through Bible Study Fellowship. um, And they are doing um, a study called People of the Promise, The Kingdom of David. Um, So there's lots and lots of opportunities. um, And I will be available after the service if you wanna come talk to me, if you wanna come figure out which group is right for you. Um, But there is, like I said, nothing more important than seeking the Lord. So thanks.
1: Hey everybody, Uh, my name is Mike. I'm a deacon here and in charge of men's ministry. And so my message is for the men this morning. So uh, first opportunity, the second and fourth Saturdays, we have Band of Brothers Breakfast. And you get a free, uh, deliciously provided breakfast and then a time in the Word. And uh, right now we're going through uh, 1 Samuel. We're in chapter 23. That is an awesome opportunity. The contact information right there. Guys, pull out your phones. Just take a picture of it. Email me. There's a Google group that I send out reminders because, you know, we need those reminders. Then uh, we have the men's accountability groups. And that 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And that is the verse that the men's accountability groups are centered around. It's a place for guys to get together and pray, go through the word and just hold each other accountable and talk about tough things that we're going through. So if you're in a MAG, I would love to see your hand up. I know that there are guys in MAG groups out there right now. Get connected, just like Laura said, it is the new year. I'm not a huge fan of new year's resolutions, but yeah, get in a group, come to the Band of Brothers Breakfast, connect with me. I'll plug you into a group there. The groups are uh, not on there, but if you go into the urinal on your way out, take a look, and you got all the groups there with the leaders. But again, call me, text me, email me. I'd love to chat with you and get you plugged into men's ministry. And um, yeah, thank you.
4: love to put some Bibles in that hand. Once you get it, or if you remembered yours, open it up to uh, Luke. Open it up to Luke. Before I jump in this morning, a couple of quick announcements uh, that I just want to share with you because we haven't had enough announcements so far. Uh, how many of you are familiar with uh, So Ministries? Just kind of wave at me or, okay, good. So you know So Ministries, they're working in Mexico. And if you've ever been to Mexico before, uh, around where So Ministries is working, a lot of the roads are dirt. And it is a rainy season down there. And our missionaries down there, all of their uh, four-wheel drive vehicles have died. So they are looking for a either a, a vehicle to be donated to them or sold to them with a really cheap price. If you know what's going on with that, please give us a call at the office so that we can try to connect that way. And last, I'm not sure if you're aware, you can look out the window. Number one, it's gorgeous. Look out the window. No, I'm not joking. Look out the window. We opened the windows on purpose here. Two, you may have noticed that it snowed just a bit. And uh, we, if you are a hearty person of any way, shape or form, we'd love to have you kind of help us move snow so that people fall down less as they are entering our, our worship center. Uh, we've got to sign up at the info booth. It'd be great for you to do that uh, if you can help out. Otherwise, I'm not sure if you are anything like me. I used to listen to uh, country music a lot. I don't as much anymore. Um, but one of the things that I learned about myself by listening to country music is that I'm more of a redneck than I believed. And this year, uh, it's being proven again. The reason why I learned that was because I learned that if you leave your Christmas lights on all year long, you are a redneck, according to a song that I used to listen to. How many of you, like me, your, your lights are still on your house? Mine are actually still illuminated right now. Okay, many of you are not rednecks. That's okay. Good news for you. You're not a redneck. Apparently, I am. I leave my Christmas lights on. I'm not quite ready yet to be done with Christmas. So I figured, well, let's just keep talking about Christmas. Advent, week five. But something happened about a week after the birth of Jesus that I want to share with you this morning. It's found in Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two. We're going to start in verse 21, and I'm going to invite you, if you can, to stand with me. And I'm going to read you a story. I'm going to read the whole passage. I'm going to read you a story that takes place about a week or so after the birth of Jesus. Luke 2, uh, let's start at verse 21. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As was written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. God, I, I invite you to this time. That sounds strange to say at a, at a church gathering, but there can be a whole host of reasons that we might be here that are other than what you would design for us in this time. God, let us submit our hearts to you. Let us listen to your word. And through your spirit, would you speak to us and draw us closer to you? Amen. You can be seated. Okay. So in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 21, which is not going to be quite a focus for us today, but like I said, about a week after the birth that we just got finished celebrating in the Christmas season, at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. A Jewish practice was not to name the child until the circumcision time. We're going to talk a little bit more about some significance to that. And then I want to jump in in verse 22. The, the period between verse 21 and verse 22 is probably about a month. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, let's, let's reread verses 22 through 24 right now. Uh, so when it, had, when it had been fulfilled the days of their cleansing, according to the laws of Moses, they brought them to Jerusalem to present to the Lord... Just as it's written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord. Let me give you a little bit of a picture of what's going on here. That Mary and Joseph and Jesus, in a sense, all had specific things according to the law of Moses that was still guiding the people of God that they had to do. Leviticus 12 tells us that there was a procedure for a spiritual or ritual cleansing that came from childbirth. There was a cleansing, partially, and and, and I'm only explaining this to you because it's very different. If you went to Tahoe Forest Hospital here, which there are basically only two things that you should go to Tahoe Forest Hospital for. From what I'm told, and it seems to be the case, you go for babies or bones. That's why you go to Tahoe Forest Hospital. (laughs) Babies or bones, they're awesome at both. They can kind of do the other stuff, but they'll ship you to some other place. But babies is one of their specialty things. And if you went to Tile Forest Hospital, the process of watching a baby be born and what the parents do is very different than what was going on in Jesus' day. In Jesus' day, about a week after the baby was born, you had to bring the baby and bring a sacrifice to try to purify the process because blood is involved in the birth of a child. I'm not sure if you're Aware for those of you men that weren't capable of stomaching it you'll just have to trust me there was blood involved and blood was something that was holy to the lord and they also needed to be reminded that they needed cleansing from sin so there was a sacrifice that was made but then there is a dedication service there's another law that kind of got that guided them that one we find in exodus chapter 13 where god had made a commandment for his people that your firstborn son will be dedicated to me. Now, that didn't necessarily mean that you had to take your kid to the temple and leave your kid there. There was a process that they would use, they would make a sacrifice to redeem the child. And this was constantly a reminder to the Jewish people that the firstborn of the Egyptians was what? Not a, not a trick question. The firstborn of the Egyptians in the Jewish story. Come on. The first, what happened to the firstborn of the Egyptians? They died. they died. They were killed. But God had redeemed the people Israel. And that story was being told over and over again. So they would offer a sacrifice. Now the sacrifice, here's an interesting little point to point out. The sacrifice was supposed to be a lamb. Now, lambs are really significant. I don't have time to kind of talk about every single component here, but the sacrifice was supposed to be a lamb. However, God made provision for the poor and said, if you can't sacrifice a lamb for this process of dedicating your child and redeeming it back, I'll let you use some birds, pigeons or turtle doves, depending upon what was available. And this sacrifice was going to restore their communion with God. It was going to redeem their firstborn son back to them. And so what we see on the outset, do, did you notice as you were looking at this that there was no reference? Look again at verse 24. Do you see any reference to a lamb? John doesn't. Everybody else? Just checking all the versions. I'm going to ask, okay, maybe you're not familiar with me. I'm going to ask a lot of dumb, simple questions. It's a speaking tactic that people use to try to keep you engaged. I know that many of you foolishly decided to stay up till 12. (laughs) And then you shoveled your driveway to get here. I'm so glad you're here. But with the heater being on and the the chairs being comfortable, I'm going to try to just like keep pulling in. The best that I possibly can. So, if, I feel, if it seems like the question I just asked is like an easy softball, it's because it is. Okay? No trick questions. No trick questions. We don't notice anything about the lamb in verse 24. We just talk about the birds, which seems to indicate, based upon what I've just taught you, that did Jesus come from a rich family or a poor family? Now, isn't that strange? Just think about it. It's not the main point, but just think about it. Because my goal anytime I try to teach these texts to you is to try to let you feel some of the feelings that you might miss if you're just reading the words. Jesus, the creator and sustainer of the universe, voluntarily picks a poor family to go spend his early days with. He could have picked a rich one, but he picked a poor one. Almost to kind of empathize with those that were in need. Then we come to verse 25. And this is really where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. We're introduced to a man by the name of Simeon. Everybody say Simeon. Simeon. Good. Good. See, now you're really with me. This is great. Imi- uh, Simeon, I can't say it. That's why I had you say it. Now behold, verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem who was named Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout or pious Let's talk about this description of of Simeon here. He's described as righteous, dikaios, meaning that this this man always, whenever it was in his power, was seeking to do the right thing. He was a person that if you talked about Simeon, you knew that this was a guy that was known for doing the right thing. But then another adjective is given as if that wasn't necessarily enough, that this person, this, this Simeon, Was righteous or devout or pious or the the word there is a word picture that he was constantly pursuing and trying to grasp for what was good. He was expectantly waiting for the comforting of Israel. That's the next description that we have of him expectantly waiting for the comforting of Israel two things I want to tell you about this section one expectantly waiting for the, for the consolation or the comforting of Israel. Just for those of you that might not necessarily be familiar with the whole biblical story, about 500 years earlier than the scene that we're getting, Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, had been conquered. And it's a period of time, they entered a period of time that we commonly refer to as the exile. Through God's intervention... He continued to allow various dynasties to be in charge of the land of Israel, but eventually the Jews, some of them, were allowed to return to Israel to live there, to rebuild the wall, and rebuild the temple. But there was one thing that they weren't allowed. Self-government. They weren't allowed freedom. Now... They were allowed to have a person that was called a king, and if you were here the time that I taught you about Herod, I tried to give you a little bit more of an idea of Herod's relationship to the government in general, but Herod was essentially a puppet king. They, they did not have charge of their own destiny. They were, in many people's eyes, still in exile, still waiting for Yahweh To fill out the plan that he had for the people of Israel. To allow them to come back to the land. Stick your finger in Luke. And we're going to do this a few times. So if you have a bookmarker with you. You might want to do this. Go over to Isaiah. Old Testament Isaiah. And you're going to go to chapter 40. Like I said, we're going to flip to Isaiah a couple of different times. Because one of the things... That might be different from your school experience to Simeon's school experience. Is that Simeon was responsible for memorizing as much of the Old Testament as he possibly could. That was his school experience. We need to unfortunately have God's word in written form. And have the availability to go back and take a look. What would Simeon be thinking? Simeon would be thinking about passages like we find in Isaiah chapter 40. Simeon, who's in a culture still thinking to be in exile, knew this promise to be true. Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort, says God. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And a voice cries... See the first part there. It's completely plain to you that God's saying there's going to come a time of comfort when I'm going to set things right. But then it goes in to a couple of verses that have shown up somewhere else in the New Testament. Biblical scholars, or close enough. Who is that normally a reference to in the New Testament? Probably the hardest question of the morning. Oh my goodness, killing it. So happy. John the Baptist. John is even questioned by the religious teachers, who are you? And John references Isaiah chapter 40 to say who he is and what his job was in the kingdom of God. To announce that God's comfort was coming. Simeon had been waiting for this as well. Now it's interesting what it is that he actually, what Luke describes in verse 25 as the comfort of Israel. the, The word that's there, the consolation of Israel Is the paracletos. The paraclete. Now if you've heard a passage. Or heard the passage from John 14, 15 and 16 taught before. You'll notice that Jesus actually uses the very same word. For the Holy Spirit. That in John 14 we're told that Jesus is asking the father to provide another paraclete. To be the presence of God with his people. In John 15. Jesus says that the Paraclete bears witness to us who Jesus is. In John 16, he tells us the Paraclete informs the world about sin and righteousness and judgment. We're told so much by Jesus about this Holy Spirit that it should be no surprise by the end of verse 25 that we see this phrase, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, Simeon. Now, this is special. You might take it for granted, but this is special. Because you and I, as New Testament believers, those of you who in this room have decided to follow Christ, we have been told through a variety of passages that the Holy Spirit indwells us. You have the Holy Spirit given to you. But some of you may not know that that's, that's unique to the New Testament believer. To the Old Testament, faithful one, that was not something that was given to them. Instead, the Holy Spirit would sometimes fill people for certain tasks, or be present for certain things, but would not indwell the individual believer. For Simeon, to have the Holy Spirit upon him was something incredibly special. We know that that was such a special thing because of what ends up happening, what what is described in verse 26 here. Because of the Holy Spirit being upon him, because of what he was waiting for, because of his piety, because of his righteousness, it had been divinely, verse 26, it had been divinely revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death prior to seeing the Lord's Christ. The Holy Spirit had given Simeon insider information. Simeon had so regularly sought Yahweh on this topic, about what God was doing about the exile, about what God was doing with his people, that the Holy Spirit gave him an answer. You, Simeon, will see the one who will set all things right. So then we come to verses 27 and 28. Simeon's pinnacle moment. And he came, verse 27, he came in the Spirit into the temple... And as the parents were bringing the child Jesus to do what was customary for the law. You you could read that verse and completely miss how huge of a statement that is. Let me try to to give you a, a reason why. Simeon was first of all led by the spirit to go to the temple. He didn't live in the temple. He in some way shape or form the Holy Spirit spoke to Simeon and said Hey. Today, you got to get to the temple. You got to get there. Simeon, used to interacting with the Holy Spirit, knew at that point, okay, I-, I need to listen. I need to obey. So he goes into the temple. Now, are you familiar with how big the temple was at this time? Yes or no? Some yes, some no. Let me just give it to you in terms that you might understand. The temple itself Where all the like temple ritualistic stuff was big enough. But there was a giant gate outside the temple. This gate could accommodate approximately 29 football fields. I want you to think about that. Have you stood on a football field before? Thought about how big that is? Okay, so 29 of these things is the amount of space that Simeon was told to enter into. I want you to think about this. Picture yourself as Simeon. Go to the temple. You walk in. You're in about 29 different football fields. And there are at least, at least five to 10,000 people just mulling about. So you're being told by God, if you're Simeon in this moment, get into the temple, and you're going to have to weave through about five to 10,000 people in the space of about 29 football fields, and you're going to find what I told you that you're going to find. Now, I, just think about this. When we were here for Christmas Eve, this little comfy couch section over here, there were like, what, like six babies, maybe? Five, five six babies? I mean, it's the cutest section Of our church. Over there. The moms, the dads, the babies. They're all cute people. Imagine if you just had to like walk in just to this room alone. And walk over there. And like just pick one of those babies as the special baby. Right? Of the six. You got like a one in six chance. Right? I'm good at math. (laughs) For Simeon to just walk into the temple... He literally, if he was you and I and not led by the Holy Spirit, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that he probably could have wandered around for the majority of the day and never bumped into Mary and Joseph. It seems reasonable. So we're not just finding a guy who was led by the Holy Spirit, hey, go to the temple. We're seeing in Simeon's story a guy that was being specifically led to a specific family. And that's why what we don't see in the text is Mary and Joseph freaking out. Imagine, okay? Imagine this. Old guy walks in this room, goes over to the baby section, and grabs one. Mommies, how are you going to feel about this? Yeah, nuh-uh. <laughs> right? There would be loudness. There would be jumping. There would be, there, there would be chaos. And none of it is necessarily, it's not described in the text. Instead, Simeon grabs this baby who, like I told you before, because of what, the, what was stated in the law, the baby's probably at this point about five weeks old, so about the same size as some of the little ones over here, and says this psalm that Joseph and Mary have never heard before. Because it's, it's written by Simeon. Here's Simeon's song. Verse 29. I'm not a big fan of, ex- of how this is translated. I-, I always hate being the guy that like tells you, oh, your biblical translation is wrong, and I know the right one. That sounds really terrible, and you should normally have giant red flags going off in your brain when someone up front of you is going, I know the true Bible. The Bible in front of you is not the true Bible. But because of the Difference in, the difference in like word order and trying to make it easier for you to read, some of the emphasis gets lost from the original text of what Simeon actually says. You want to uh, look at verse 29. And I want you just kind of, I'm not going to read it out loud from the version I have in front of me. Just look at it. Now I want to tell you the one, that, the, the phrase that comes first in the original text is now father or now master you can let me die. It's not quite as, as happy sounding as this version, is it, right? Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. But, but what Simeon actually says is, I could literally die a happy man right now. I know exactly what I'm holding in my hands. I know exactly who I'm holding in my hands. I know exactly how significant this is. I could die right now and be okay with it. And the way that he describes God, interestingly enough, the name, he, he, there are so many names for God in the Old Testament. There are so many names for God in Hebrew. The one that he picks is where we get the word despot from. Not a real popular word. Maybe a word you're not even familiar with anymore. But despot is essentially equivalent to the word tyrant. Now, what Simeon's trying to point out is he was in complete, full understanding and acceptance that God was the one in charge of this plan. And he was okay with it. He could die a happy man because the master was one who who, who held supreme control and authority. But you had offered me peace. Verse 30. Why was he so content? My eyes have seen your salvation. It's kind of weird. Like you and I, because we're at the tail end of the story, we know. Like we might not necessarily see the significance in that. But. He has walked in to a giant crowd with all of its noise and all of its clamor and picked up a baby that does not belong to him and says, I can die now because I've seen your salvation. All he's doing is holding a baby. He hasn't seen God do anything yet. He's just holding a baby. But he knew something I have to feel like there's something more that had been revealed to him. Luke had given us little clues to it. I read by it really quick in verse 21. Go back to 21 real quick and just take a look. When he was circumcised, he was called what? I told you easy questions. Called what? Jesus. Jesus. You know anything about that name? I mean, where where I work, because I get to work here half the week, and then I work in the real world the other half of the week. I don't real fake, I don't whatever. Where I work, that's just a, a that's a curse word. You get used to hearing that name a lot. Did Mary and Joseph get to pick that name? For all we knew, he wanted the baby to be named like Skylar or something like that. <laughs> It's, just, it's like a really white name. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he was told. Mary was told. Joseph was told. Specifically what to name this baby. Name him Jesus. Now Jesus is a transliteration that kind of comes to us. But Jesus' actual name in Hebrew would be Yeshua. You ever heard that name before? Yeshua sounds a whole lot like what Old Testament name? Joshua. You remember Joshua at all? Joshua, the conquering hero, essentially, that God used, one of the only people to actually believe God and get to enter the promised land and used by God to lead God's people, to lead them into that promised land as a foretelling of the Yeshua that would come to Mary and Joseph. The name means Yahweh saves. I have to believe that Simeon holding this baby knew what was going on. My eyes have seen your salvation because I've seen the one named Yahweh saves. Verse 31. Yahweh had prepared this salvation. You've prepared it in front of the face of all your people. This salvation was prepared in such a way that people would see it. Even though that the word that's actually used there of all of your people. Could probably be better translated of all your faithful ones. This salvation was prepared for the faithful ones. The people that had been waiting to see it just like Simeon. And then we get to the blessed verse. Probably the whole reason why I was excited to teach you this passage this morning. That this Yeshua, this Yahweh saving was a light. Unto revelation for the Gentiles. And a glory for your people Israel. What Simeon had told us is something that God had told us over and over again. That this Yeshua, this God saving. Was not just a light for the Jews. But was a light of revelation for the Gentiles. And a glory for Israel. I told you to. To maybe put a bookmarker or something in, Israel, in, uh, in Isaiah, but go back over there. I want to just show you two other quick passages to show you what Simeon had learned in Sunday school, more or less, what Simeon had been taught by his Sunday school teachers. Go to Isaiah 42. In Isaiah 42, Yahweh is speaking to his chosen servant his chosen servant and says, verse six, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people and a light for the nation. I will give you as a covenant for the people and a light for the nations. Almost the same way that Simeon had said it in our verse, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Flip over a flip over a couple pages in Isaiah and go to Isaiah 49. I like this verse a lot. It gives me a lot of encouragement. Isaiah 49, verse 6. God again speaking. He says, It's too light of a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. So I will make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Can I give you kind of a, a maybe a little bit more of a modern translation, like the way that you and I would talk about Isaiah six? Hey, it would be too easy for me to just fix the problems of Israel. So I'm going to use your story Israel. For everyone else who's not Israel. I will make you a light. For the nations. That my salvation may reach. To the ends of the earth. Though Simeon had been waiting for God to redeem the Jews. He knew that it was God's plan. Always. To accomplish a larger mission. This whole scene. Though you might be tempted just because it's like in the Bible. And maybe you've heard this story before. You might be tempted to just be like, yeah, another interesting Bible story. But if you start to imagine what you're seeing here. The next verse makes complete sense. In verse 33. His father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Their minds were blown. Remember. Joseph and Mary were not ignorant. Who was the first one that found out about this Jesus story of Joseph and Mary? Mary did, right? Why? Who told her? An angel. We're told that Mary is amazed here. But remember, the beginning of this Jesus story for Mary started with an angel showing up and announcing the information. They were told a little bit. Joseph's like, I don't know what to do. So he thinks that he's going to leave in order to save some face. And so another angel speaks to him in a dream. and be, Hey, stick it out. I got a plan here. These people were used in this last like five, six weeks of their life. I'm sorry, the last like, uh, let's, let's count the pregnancy. So the last like 11, 11 months-ish of their life, they were used to seeing some amazing things. But when they heard what Simeon had told them, there was something really specifically amazing. That this salvation was not just for the Jews. Now, hearing all of these amazing things, you might think that the news is going to be phenomenal. But Simeon does something on top of everything he's already done. He does something that no one would really expect. He's the first bearer of bad news to Joseph and Mary. According to to what we look at in verse 34, he blessed them and he said to Mary, behold, or pay attention, or check this out. The one that you have, this baby, that Simeon's still holding, this one here, he's being given for the falling or the ruin and the rising or the resurrection of many in Israel. He was appointed for salvation, even resurrection, but it would be a battle every step of the way. Then he turns to Mary. Mary, you are going to feel like you were stabbed through your heart. To you yourself, he says, through your soul will go a sword. But... By this sword will be revealed the hearts or the thoughts or the reasonings or the doubts of many. Mary, this is not going to just be some simple thing. This is not going to be all poinsettias and flowers and palm branches of celebration. This is going to be miserable in a lot of ways. But it's still the hope that we're looking for. And then the story of Simeon ends. We don't know anything else. We don't know what happened next. I would imagine if he would have keeled over and died right then, we probably would have got that in the text. That's just my guess, though. I mean, and then he died. Oh, okay. (laughs) But it ends and goes on to somebody else. What in the world am I supposed to do with this story of Simeon? I mean it's hopefully you can see that I love digging into this text and I love almost like a like a miner that's like going into to look for diamonds I'm like swinging my pickaxe through the week trying to figure out what's actually in this text that I can show you the the sparkly stuff that you might have missed but at the end of it if we don't figure out how we're supposed to live in light of it it's what, what am i doing what's the point so we're all smarter so we know some more Jesus trivia the next time that you, like, get into a competition with somebody. Like, what, what do we do? I'm not sure what the Holy Spirit is laying on your heart in light of this, but I, I'm going to share just two, two things with you. There's There could be more in response, but I'll share two. One, and my goal any time that I read Scripture is to try to find a reason for which I can be grateful. Because you remember that what... What Paul taught us, if you're wondering what the will of God is, he actually told you specifically that the will of God is that you would be thankful. When I read the scriptures, I look for reasons to be grateful. Let me give you a reason to be grateful from Simeon's passage. You, my fellow Gentiles, you're lucky to be here. You don't belong here. This story could have easily, completely circumnavigated you, and it would have been fair. But what did Simeon call Jesus? Verse 32 A light of revelation for whom? For the Gentiles. For us. Thank you for saying, for us. Fellow Gentiles, we're not God's chosen people. We're not the ones that were picked. I've mentioned Paul before in Romans chapter 11. Paul is trying to address the role that the Jews play after the kingdom of God has come in Christ. And and it looks like the kingdom is being transferred away from the Jews... Simeon told everyone that this was God's plan all along, but Paul, wanting to pick up on this idea, trying to explain to the Romans that God had revealed himself through the Jews, but you and I as Gentiles, we're we're just kind of like being spliced into a plant. The word picture there in, in, in Romans chapter 11 is that for a while... God has removed some of the Jews so that you and I, fellow Gentiles, who have decided to submit our lives to Christ, could be grafted in. And it's something that we have to recognize humbly and thankfully. We are not the arrival of God's plan. God's plan is bigger than us. So gratefully embrace that you, fellow Gentile, were sought within God's plans, but His plans are much bigger than us. There is a much bigger story that's being told. And just like if maybe this Christmas you got a gift that you feel like you didn't deserve. That's this story to you. But the second thing. In light of this reason to be grateful. Let me make an appeal to you. With your newly favored position embrace the example that was set by our brother Simeon. When I say embrace the example, we have a tendency sometimes when we read these things in scripture to just think that these are things that happened to people that could never really happen to us. That Simeon somehow was just like this special person that is out there as just this Bible character that that story of Simeon could never actually be applied to you. That you could never have gained that special information that Simeon gained, that you could never have been specially led by the Holy Spirit. And by this point, you probably should realize that I'm saying, uh, yeah, y- you could." Simeon had pursued righteousness. He was taking a hold of what was good. And we're told that the Holy Spirit was upon him. But remember, that was a special thing that was given to Old Testament people. But friends, the Holy Spirit is now in you. You, my friends, actually, if you will follow Christ... If you will pursue him with all aspects of your life, there's a reason why Jesus says that we would be capable of doing more. There's a reason why I'm telling you that Simeon's story could be yours. Because though the Holy Spirit was on Simeon for a specific task, you have been given the Holy Spirit to indwell you, to live with you each day. The comfort that Simeon had been longing for. The paracletos, the paraclete, was given to you. Always at work within you. Always leading you. Guiding you. Inspiring you. Convicting you. Drawing you closer to the Father. I encourage you, to the best of your ability, pursue Him this week. Open yourself to how he might be leading you. I know that for some of you, you don't even know what the first step of that might look like. And that's okay. That's what church leaders are for, is to help you walk through that process and to walk with you in that process. But you have to first decide that this is something that you're willing to do. To learn to live in him. To listen to him and submit to him. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. With it being the first Sunday of the month, but also the first Sunday of the year, it's in the vein of wanting to live in the spirit, to listen to him, to submit to Christ, that we also get to pursue Jesus together by celebrating communion. For those of you that need a bit of a reminder, communion is a time in which we, We are dining with Christ. We are celebrating his presence, just like he instructed us to do. Later in Luke's gospel, in chapter 22, it says this. And before I read this, actually, can I get a couple of leaders to come up? Great. Some leaders. These are the people that you're going to look to for some help on this process. Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. And gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. So do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup after they had eaten saying, this is the cup that's poured out for you in the new covenant in my blood. That's what we're doing in this time. That's what we get to do as a church on our first Sunday of the year 2023 is to recognize his presence here. And to celebrate it in this new life, in this new covenant. let me pray to dedicate this time. Jesus, we thank you for your covenant. We thank you for your willingness to come in poverty. We thank you for your willingness to include us as Gentiles into this bigger story of what you are doing with your people. We thank you that you would lower yourself to be present with us now. We celebrate you by dining with you now. Amen.
0: It's great. hand with me you have the elements in your hand as you know a reminder of his sacrifice for you go ahead and partake Proclaim that together. We sing hallelujah. verse 1. Just your voices, church. Amazing grace. Amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Lord, we thank you for your amazing grace that we are cleansed Lord, as we start this new year, hold us close to your heart. Continually draw us back in repentance, Lord, to seek after you with all that we are, our minds, our thoughts, our strength. And Lord, we praise you and honor you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, happy new year, folks. We love you. We'll see you soon. Take care.